everyone. Welcome to another episode of Opposites React. It is episode 81 on August 11, 2021. I am Sarah and I am here with Tyler. How is it going? Great. That is great. Uh, I know what's great for you. You had your first 2021 theater experience yesterday. This is true. What did you go see? The Suicide Squad. Not to be confused with Suicide, Suicide Squad. Squad that came out in 2016. No, this is, I'm sure people know what I'm talking about. This is the new, I don't know, if, if, technically it is a sequel to that one because they do reference a couple now of things. Now I'm confused. But uh, most people see it as like a soft reboot. I mean, they don't have all the same characters that were in the previous. Well, isn't it just Harley that comes over? Well, you know, you got Rick Flag. you saw Captain Boomerang. They just didn't bring back. I don't back... remember any of these people. <laughs> I mean, they, yeah, they you don't... could have said nothing. Initially, at the beginning of the movie, you think that they just replaced like Will Smith's Deadshot mm. with Idris Elba playing Bloodsport. Okay. Initially, they seem like the same character, but quickly they—I say—quickly they do make a couple of important distinctions between the two characters, which I was happy with because I wanted to make sure that Bloodsport was his own. I didn't know anything about. I, these are like some of the lesser-known mm-hmm. like, DC superheroes. Like if you have to go back to the comics, superheroes. Well, villains. They're not really villains. Antiheroes. Sure. Well, I don't know if you use that term, but anyways, they're all in prison for various reasons. That's why they're part of the Suicide Squad. Well, they don't sound like heroes then, do they? Well, like one's an assassin. The other one, like one of the new characters controls, one of the new characters controls rats. And then you have Polka Dot Man, who shoots polka dots at people. But it's a lot more violent than you would think it is. No, no. (laughs) I don't know how to feel about this anymore. King Shark, who's just a large CGI shark with the voice of Sylvester Stallone. No, so. you and now I'm out. Why? Goodbye. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I really enjoyed it. It was very good. I, not, like, I enjoyed the theater experience. I enjoyed the movie itself. Um, I, I I would recommend it if someone wants to have a good time. It's one of those movies where, again, I hate to use the term like shut your brain off and just enjoy the ride. But should you buy a beer to before you get oh, into for the sure. like, theater? Like, you know, like I'm a big fan of the. I'm gonna pimp the YouTube channel here, Jeremy Johns. Yes, he does, yes, he has yes. great reviews. Um, I like his, his scale of reviewing things as well. And his, yes. one of his things is he'll always say this might be a better time if you were drunk. Yes. He didn't say that for this one. For this one, he just said he would recommend buying it on Blu-ray when it comes out mm. or 4K or whatever you want to call it. But I would go one step further and agree with, I would say by his scale, I would recommend that you be a little buzz when you're watching this. Just because the plot's not super hard to follow. It doesn't get... In fact, there's a part in the middle where it kind of drags a bit. And I was like... Yeah, you need that, what, like that run to pee? Right, that would be the perfect time to, <laughs> to go to the washroom. Honestly, you're not missing much. Um, but no, like every character had their own like sort of moment to shine. Harley was great. Like I liked Harley in this in this film a lot better than I liked her in the Birds of Prey film. Yeah, well, right? we ripped that apart, so we did. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean this this was made by directed, written and directed by James Gunn, who um, he did a bunch of weird like indie horror films back in the two thousands. Then he got his like big sort of blockbuster break when he did Guardians of the Galaxy for Marvel. Mm. He did both those films. I have not seen any of those films. Um, yeah, he's got a really good style. Like he's got his the humor can be hit or miss with him. Um, a couple of times I I chuckled quite a bit during some of the. But the problem is I had seen a lot of trailers and, and footage uh, of the up to this movie, so a lot of the stuff was already kind of spoiled. I see. But there was a lot of it. It's very violent. It, it definitely leans into the R R rating. Mm. <laughs> a lot of gore, dismemberment, you know, violent kills, that kind of thing, and then obviously swearing too. But uh, but no, I really uh, yeah, I really enjoyed the film. I'm not gonna get too deep into it here. I'm not gonna go into spoilers or anything. I might talk about it later on. If you want me to go into a deeper dive of what I thought about it. But for now, yeah, it's like I said, there's not a lot of movies to go see at the theaters right now. Mm. At least definitely nothing in this style, right? So, yeah. What's next for you at theaters? Uh, well, I want to see... The so, Hugh Jackman movie. Yes, the Hugh Jackman sci-fi. What's yeah, it called? Reminiscence. Okay. Yeah. When is Top Gun? 
Top Gun's not till November. Oh. Or is it late October? Is Dune, I always forget. Is Dune still this year? Yeah, yeah Dune's October. October's stacked. October is like... Um, October October is James Bond, Dune. Um, oh, oh, that that Ridley Scott won the last duel. That I showed you the trailer for. Do the, I remember the duel? Oh, Matt Damon, Adam Driver. <laughs> oh, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. That one's it seems like It seems like every week in October is something coming out. Cool. So October's read, a good month. I gotta read Dune. I think the only thing in September I'm really kind of curious about. Well, I mean, when I say curious, I'll see it because there's not that much to see in theaters in September. But the new Venom movie. Yeah, you would. Mm-hmm. Why not? <laughs> Anyways, we'll get off that topic. Uh, one other thing I want to talk about before we get into the main topic tonight. I mentioned this to you earlier when we were yeah. out for a walk. Um, today is the today August 11th is the seven year anniversary. It feels weird to call it an anniversary, but that's what yeah. it is, right? Seven year anniversary of the passing of Robin Williams. Sad face. Yeah, you said it earlier. You remember exactly where you were when you yeah, heard the news. Yeah, like I yeah. remember the exact moment. What, um, off the top of your head, if you could watch any Robin Williams movie right now, what would it be? It could be a comedy or non comedy. It's up to you. I mean, obviously, you did most. Dead com- Poet Society. Why? I don't know. That's the have you seen, that came have, you, to have me. you seen that? Before? I have. Yes. Okay. That's an interesting choice. <laughs> I would have chose that or Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, I mean, or Jumanji or Mrs. Doubtfire. Right. But I chose. I chose. Uh, I chose. Oh, I feel like I'm missing one. Comedy or drama? Oh, Jack. Don't you like Jack? Jack? Oh, I do like Jack. I love Jack. <laughs> oh, no. Give me another one. Maybe we'll be reminiscing of another one. Um, It was a robot one. You didn't, you didn't like him in Hook? Did you like Hook? Oh, Hook was great, too. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Aladdin for a voice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's genie. Yeah, that's okay. But yeah. I was saying to you earlier that I read that... Um, so I won't go into the details of of his death, but most people probably already know how he how he that passed away. But um, I didn't realize that he. It says an examination of his brain tissue in the autopsy suggested that he was suffering from something called diffuse Lewy body dementia. So uh, it's kind of like, it's sort of like an extension of Parkinson's. Okay. So I mean, yeah. So like I said, he was dealing with that prior to his death. So who knows how that influenced his decision? That's but right. Yeah. yeah. It's tragic. I mean, obviously, like he was, you know, when, when he when he passed away, the the outpouring of support from actors and anybody else who ever worked with him before was. Oh, I just. But then there was a whole bunch of like hate towards his daughter, like on social media. She had to leave social media because people were being rude to her. Yeah, that's typical. Like, it's so. Right. I thought of another movie I wanted to watch instead. Of Rob Williams. Yeah. What? His comedy show. His. Like a stand-up. Yeah. His stand-up. Oh, for sure. Like his stand-up stuff was great. Oh, it was yeah. so funny. Yeah, like you mentioned, obviously, like, Goodwill Hunting is probably his most well-known dramatic role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From a mass appeal standpoint. But obviously, he did lots of other good drama roles, like, um, if you were in the mood for a comedy, let's say. So, stuff like um, One Hour Photo, <clears throat> Insomnia. That's a Christopher Nolan movie with him and Al Pacino. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, he, um, it's funny. Like, he went through his, kind of, he actually did a lot. People obviously always think of him as a comedian, first and foremost. But he actually did a lot of dramas in the 80s and 90s. It, in the 2000s, say mid-2000s, he sort of shifted back into comedy mode. He would do mm. stuff like Night at the Museum, RV, which is just like a road trip art comedy. Oh, yeah. What was the Penguin? Happy Feet. Right. For voices, yeah, he did Happy Feet. But, I mean, yeah, he was all, sort of all over the place. I mean, obviously, super talented actor and mm-hmm. just, you know. But, yeah. Um, so, yeah, seven years ago today. So, yeah, if you want to go watch a Robin Williams movie to commemorate his, honor, his memory, then uh, any of the ones we mentioned are fine or anything else that I didn't mention even. You know, there's like Good Morning Vietnam. Mm. Um, was he in Robots? Yeah, the, the yeah, he was a voice in Robots, yeah. the animated, yeah. What Dreams May Come is an underrated one. And most people, I think that was late 90s. Um, but yeah, like the, obviously the classics, you know, Mrs. Doubtfire. Um, I feel like I watched that recently. 
I feel that with all Robin Williams movies, though. <laughs> yeah, well, Jumanji's on TV all the time. The original, yeah. But, yeah, anyways, so, yeah. Seven years flies by, doesn't it? No yeah. kidding. Alrighty, so, do you want to do the lead into the main topic? Oh, thank you, you for letting me this time. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, get ready for part four of the year of 2007. Okay, it's ready for you now. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> All right, so quick preface for those who don't know what we're talking about, if you're just dropping in for the first time, uh, <laughs> this is the fourth, not fourth podcast in a row. I've been breaking them up every week so it doesn't get too repetitive, but this is the fourth consecutive out podcast in this series where I talk about my favorite movies from the year 2007. I've already talked about uh, 15 other films of that year prior to this. We're doing this, these in chronological order when they were released. I'm not ranking these in any way yet. That'll be a, a different episode. But So for now, I think we're on to like, September, October, if we're getting into the Oscar type mm-hmm. films, right? So, so, and you've seen you've seen um, a few of them on this list, or at Yay. least or at least heard of them before. Do I have like, opinions? Yeah, you obviously have some oh, opinions. Oh, goody! The first one, maybe not so much. Although I think I definitely have tried to get to get you to watch this film. You probably have either refused or fallen asleep during it. Mm. But um, and I've talked about this before, probably a few, several times on the podcast in some capacity. Um, but the first movie on this list is. Long title, it's The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. We, t- we did a whole podcast on this one. We did. Because it's an amazing film. I still say it's super underrated. Like, it's one of Brad yes. Pitt's best roles. No. One of Casey Affleck's best roles. Nah. Cinematography was great. The music was great. The ending was great. I, I, this movie is like, it's close. It's definitely over, I think, just over two and a half hours. I don't know if it's probably yeah, between two and a half, three hours. It's not three hours. I know that. But mm-hmm. um, it, it does feel long, especially like on a first viewing, I, I caution people to go in just. Just enjoy the story. Enjoy the character work. You're not. It's not going to be a huge like. You don't compare this to a movie like Three Ten Yuma no. from the same year, which is like a totally different style of mm-hmm. action western. This one's much more of a character study. But um, yeah, I mean, it definitely deserves a spot on this list, and it would definitely be in my top ten of 07. I know that. Um, yeah. So that I'm not going to say any more on that. Like I've already talked about it before. Yes. Um, go watch it. If it's available on Netflix or Amazon, I'm not 100% sure. But this is the kind of movie I would love to... I don't think they have it, but I'd love to have like a 4K copy of it. I think it would look beautiful. I don't think it on exists. On a high def. Um, anyways, next movie on the list. Um, I think you have seen or at least like listened to this one before. But uh, and this is also another, in my opinion, super underrated drama from the year that um, most people don't... The title doesn't really do it any favors. So the, the movie is called Michael Clayton. Oh, I've seen this one. And it's specifically named after the protagonist of the movie. His name is Michael Clayton. It's played by George Clooney. Yes. And he plays a, um, he's like a former lawyer who now, like, he works for a law firm, but he's just more like, they call him, like, a fixer in the movie. Yeah. Like, the, like, law firm will send him out. Like, in the, for example, this isn't much of a spoiler. At the very beginning of the movie, he goes to meet a client in the middle of the night, and the client just had a hit-and-run accident. Like, he was driving home at night. It was foggy. It was like a jogger on the side of the road, and he hit the guy and, and went home. So, you know, the, they send Clooney over to be like, well, advise him, what are you going to do? Like, you know, what, what's his course of legal action here mm. you know not they don't do anything illegal like he doesn't say you know like torch the car or something he mm. basically just tells him like here's your options which is not many like you know the cops are already going to track down your your custom made jaguar or whatever mm. like when they find the paint scrapes on the road so anyways the movie just sort of initially sets the uh the whole tempo of what his character is and how kind of like cynical he is he's mm-hmm. very yeah, he's very just like not depressed but like angry at the being in the movie and eventually you find out why he's got uh some things going on in his life so anyway it turns into a whole legal drama the movie and when i say legal drama i don't mean like in a courtroom i just mean like there's like things going on with like an environmental company and a lawsuit and he's in the middle of it and one of his friends who has like not schizophrenia but he has like a mental issue or something and he has to help him 
So, but anyways, it's, it's just, it's a, um, I actually just ended up watching the ending on YouTube again earlier. I remember it being like one of my favorite endings just from like a, it, everything in the movie builds up to this cathartic, like last five minutes of the movie. And I think the movie got like seven Academy Award nominations. Really? Um, yeah, like a, like a lot. And it's the only one, one person who won anything from the movie was the best supporting actor, I believe. Actress, sorry, best supporting actress went to Tilda Swinton. I great, honestly don't remember actress. the actress in that movie. Yeah, but uh, she did a great job. She deserved it. But yeah, I mean, it's and it's actually a funny thing too. It's uh, it's written and directed by Tony Gilroy, and this was his directorial debut. But before this, he wrote the previous uh, Jason Bourne trilogy, the first three Bourne films. Wow! So he went from writing those films to being this being his first directing, which was a totally different type of tone film, right? Like it wasn't an action yeah. movie or anything, yeah. or really like espionage-ish. It was more just about like yeah, legality and yeah, and moral stuff. So. But yeah, a really good movie. Really, what did I say? Really good movie. I was gonna say really, really good film and movie, and I combined them. Oh, like, really I thought you said really good food. <laughs> I was gonna say foodie, but good movie, definitely go watch it. But again, slow burn, just a drama. Don't go in expecting exciting, you know, stuff. Pew, pew. It's, it's just, but it's really well acted. Uh, next one, here we go. The one you can. I'm gonna let you talk more about this one because I want to get your you opinion say that first. Every time. Well, no, but because I have opinions on it too. But I think you really like this movie. So the next one on the list, definitely a. It's an indie film and definitely an underrated gem that I can always recommend to someone. If they'd ever heard or seen it before, it's called Lars and the Real Girl. Yeah, I've talked about this one a couple of times on here. A little but, bit. Yeah. Uh, you know how much I adore this movie. This is like, this is probably my movie of this year. Wow. Um, I'm just going to put that out there. Okay. I honestly don't remember the first 15. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but this is, I know, like at least one or two. Like, should I explain? I'll mildly explain the movie. So Lars... I don't even know how to explain Lars. He's not introverted. No, well, well, he definitely is. Yeah, like, but, I, but mean, I mean, that's not the only thing no, he I, is. No, that's not his only character trait. I'm just saying, that's how the movie introduces him. Yes. He's sort of a, I'll, I'm just going to, I was going to correct. Go Andy, ahead. But, well, no, I was going to say like he's, the movie starts off, he's sort of a recluse. Rec- yeah. Recluse, word. He basically lives with his brother. Um, in the garage, I think. But like, he, he lives in the garage. Like his, their, him and his brother, their father passed away and left them the house. His brother mm-hmm. and his wife live in the house and he lives in the detached garage in the back. So yeah, he's kind of isolated at the beginning of the film. And then, what yeah, <laughs> well, then um, he finds out that his sister in law is pregnant, and then kind of this thing starts rolling where he he kind of it kind of starts um, a mental breakthrough for him, I would say, where he it's kind of his past is coming catching up to him mentally. So he gets a girlfriend to try and I don't know deal with what he's going through, um, but his girlfriend is a doll. It's a sex doll. <laughs> uh, so it's... But, go ahead. I'm just going to preface by saying most people are going to hear that sentence and either roll their eyes or just tune out completely. But I'll just say this like this didn't go the way the movie obviously could have. It could have gone in one direction. Yep. In a less talented filmmaker's hands, it could have easily turned this into like a raunchy comedy with a bunch of dirty jokes. That's not that's not, nope. not what this is at all. It has nothing to do with the actual use of the doll. It's more just as a companion. Yeah. But go ahead. No, it was, it's more like just because it looks more like a woman than anything else. <laughs> Like, they treat her like a citizen of the city. Like, she goes and sits with, um, eventually through the movie, like, they accept her in the city, and they take her on trips, and they take her to, like, the library, and they take her to work with them, and, like... The barbershop, get her haircut. Yeah, they get her haircut and stuff. Like, they treat her like a human. Um, Because they're trying to appease Lars. They want... It's a a small community, like a small town. They're trying to help Lars come out of his shell, and... But eventually, like... 
I think his bro- either his brother or his sister in law. They sort of like re- refer him to a psychiatrist. Yes. And then they bring the you know he brings the doll with her, and then but they uh, separate un- them through yeah like this like whole un- under the pretense of like giving his girlfriend medical treatment yeah for like low blood pressure or something yeah. and then but then the psychiatrist will like take Lars aside and have these small little sessions yep. with him just kind of getting into his past and yeah so it's but it's a very interesting movie and like I said it's very very well written and well acted like pacing is great it's just it's it's a easy film to get through and. And it has some surprising heartstrings near the end. Like, it pulls on your heartstrings. It's a sad, can be a sad film sometimes. But I think Ryan Gosling does a great job. He's, oh, it's beautiful. I couldn't pitch anybody else in the role after watching it. Like, and I did listen to a podcast about this movie recently, mm. about, like, the how the psychology of this movie actually works. And is it, um, is it how his condition would play out in a person that actually had it in real life? And they said, it is very close to real life. So it, it was very well acted and very well written how the character was portrayed. Mm-hmm. So it, it's nice to like not be like, oh, nobody would be like this or like they're overacting it. No, it, it was apparently very well done. So yeah, I, I just adore this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Like it's a, uh, I mean, I well, I was going to say it's family friendly. But it's not something you'd watch with young kids, obviously. But, well, they wouldn't get the... Right. But I'm saying it's not like a vote. There's no nope. swearing in the movie mm-hmm. or violence. It's not that kind of film. So it's just a sweet... Yeah, you, could, you could show it to like teenagers. And, oh, yeah. And they would get it. Um, but yeah, no, I, yeah, I think it's a great film and... Uh, like I said, one another, you know, for for all the the blockbuster and award winning films from 07, this was a small little indie one that just kind of slipped in there and didn't get a lot of recognition in terms of like obviously box office or anything. But from a from a cult perspective, like from, mm, like cult classic, like, like yeah, people who saw it after it released and it get, got a following and then like critically, I think critically it did well. People liked it. But, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Lars and the Real Girl, good film. Go check mm-hmm. it out if it's mm-hmm. available to stream anywhere. Um, okay, fourth movie on our list today. Um, I actually just rewatched this on Netflix recently because it'd probably been a few years since I'd seen it, and it was good timing too because I just recently read a different book that was done by the same author. That because this movie is based on a book, so I read another book by the same author with the same characters actually. Mm. I think, like, you like probably, a universe kind of thing. Like, so yeah, like so. Okay, before I get into it, so the movie we're talking about is gone. It's called Gone Baby Gone. Okay. Um, and it's that's adapted by the book of the same name. The author is Dennis Lehane. Um, and it, it follows, uh, yeah, so the main the protagonist in the film is Patrick Kenzie, played by Casey Affleck. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, cause I was reading another book by Dennis Lehane that was like, I guess the Patrick Kenzie is a recurring character. He has a bunch of series of books because he's like a private investigator. Oh, like okay. Private detective, so. And in this movie, the basic setup, like within the first five minutes of the movie, you realize what's happened is that it takes place in, in Boston. Um, like a, I think it's a four-year-old girl, Amanda, she gets kidnapped in the middle of the night from her house or whatever. So, the, you know, the police are... Morgan Freeman, head of the police, head of the department, is trying to, you know, do a missing missing child search, and uh, so the family hires Casey Affleck and his girlfriend, um, played by I think her name's Aunt Angie in the film, played by Michelle Monaghan, and so they hire Patrick and Ange- Angie as because they're private detectives because they say like maybe you can talk to the people in the neighborhood that won't talk to the cops, uh, get yeah. some more information, that kind of thing, right? Run a separate investigation from what right. the cops are doing, so. Like I said, I never read the book, um, but I am familiar with. I've read many of Dennis Lehane's novels. He's a great writer, and. Um, I'm pretty sure, like I said, even though I haven't read the, I can't confirm this 100%, but I would say I'm pretty sure they adapted this film pretty faithfully to the book. Okay. They probably didn't change or, or uh, omit a lot of information. It's got a great cast. Like outside of who I already mentioned, you know, Casey Affleck, Michelle Monaghan, Morgan Freeman. You also got Ed Harris. You mm-hmm. got um, Amy Ryan. Uh, a couple others I'm trying to think of, but yeah, anyways, it's just a really, and it, finally, so this also, kind of bearing the lead here too, this was Ben Affleck's directorial debut. Oh, yeah, he's directed I think five or six films since then. He's done well, like he did The Town, he did Argo, uh, like he did Live by Night, which wasn't 
a great film. I like the book better. Uh, this is a directorial debut. And you can tell, like, watching this film, watching some of his later work that he's directed, you can tell just he became more confident in his directing mm. style. Not to say this was poorly done, but sometimes this can feel like it's filmed like an indie film. Okay. Um, with obviously with a lot of good actors and, and the story's great. But yeah, so anyways, um, I'm not going to get into too many spoilers. I may have even talked about the ending of this movie before on a previous mm. podcast, but I really do like, again, the last 10 minutes of this movie. It's got a really strong ending um, that really makes you trying to get into the character's minds and think like from a moral perspective would you do what the protagonist mm. did he makes a critical decision the last that, of us ending right it's it's a well not exactly but no i mean like but it's a moral choice right yeah end. it's a very interesting ending to the film and it's very tragic in a lot of ways but um yeah i really enjoy the film like i said this one is on netflix i know because i just watched it so go watch <laughs> it on netflix if you haven't seen it before it's really good um you know it's a drama a little bit of action in it some swearing if you're opposed to that stuff so but it's what not, you're saying is this <laughs> chunk of movies in 2007 was the drama sector. Yes. I think it's funny, too. Like I said, I already mentioned the assassination of Jesse James earlier. That was also Casey Affleck. So he had a good month. Oh, wow. He did both these movies in this, within the same month of release. Mm-hmm. So. And it, he did He did get, like I said, he got uh, some Academy recognition for the Jesse James movie playing Robert Ford, but he didn't get any net recognition for this movie. Not to say he was bad in this movie. It's just there wasn't a lot of drop or Academy buzz behind this movie. Mm. But it's a good stepping stone in Ben Affleck's directing career. And yeah, it's good. So... The last one on the list. Um, you got. I don't think you've seen this one before, but it's it's strange that I wouldn't have shown you this before. Maybe it's just because it's not something that you can stream nowadays. I don't think. Like I probably rented it a long time. ago. I don't own it. I probably rented it or watched it somewhere a long time ago. But um, real another really strong drama uh, on this list with a with another sort of long title um, called the Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. And uh, I just looked it up. It's not adapted from anything like from a novel or any other. It's just an original screenplay. But uh, and it says the title comes from the Irish saying, I've heard this before. It says, "May you be in heaven a full half hour before the devil knows you're dead." Basically saying like you can enjoy a half little, an hour of funness right before you get ground to hell. Oh my gosh! So, um, so basically, what it's trying to imply is that the people in this film are not good people. I would morally. assume that from this. Like, yes. like they're like they're not t- like terrible criminals or anything, but they make some bad moral choices that have tragic consequences, and okay, eventually like. Yeah, they do bad things. And also, this was directed by Sidney Lumet. I don't know if it's pronounced Lumet or Lumet, but Sidney Lumet. Um, he was a great director. This was the last film he directed before his death in 2011. Um, he was he did, like, going back to, like, the 60s, he did many great films. Oh, okay. I'm trying to think. Like, there was, like, 12 Angry Men, uh, Dog Day Afternoon, Network, just all these movies you haven't heard of. But, nope. <laughs> <laughs> but trust me, they're good films. Um, anyways, it's crazy to think that, like, he directed this in his 80s. Because mm. it was like it's a really good film, but and the cast is great too. You got, um, the, I guess you could technically say it, it, the movie shares dual protagonists because you have two brothers in the main roles. So you have Ethan Hawke and Philip Seymour Hoffman okay. playing brothers. Philip Seymour Hoffman. I mean, at this point of his career, he was already crushing everything he was in, and this is no <laughs> exception. Like this, he was crazy in this movie, like crazy good. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> he was crazy too, but he was no, he was I just like insane. This his acting in the movie was incredible and. You had Albert Finney playing their father. He was... I don't know if you ever saw Big Fish. Remember that movie? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. He was, that, like, had, he was the father that had, in that one. Was Ewan in that one? Who was in that one that I knew? No. I'm, I don't know. I but that was a Tim Burton one, right? So. I feel... I know this movie. I think Billy Crudup was the main character in that one, but you wouldn't know him. Uh, anyways, that's the main dynamic. And you got, like, Marissa Tomei playing Philip Seymour Hoffman's wife and so the main but the main brothers you got andy and hank andy is philip seymour hoffman hank is ethan hawk they basic basic synopsis of the plot is that uh they both need money for different reasons andy 
uh, like embezzled some money from his work that they're going to find out about when they do an audit. So he needs to kind of steal mm. some money and just like go to like Jamaica or Bahamas or something. He, he says he's going to go somewhere tropical to be in the film. I remember where. Oh, sorry, it's Brazil. I just looked it up. <laughs> I go to Brazil. My bad. Um, and Hank needs money because basically he's a divorced father. He's paying child support. Oh. That kind of stuff. So for different reasons, the brothers have issues they need money for. So they, uh, Andy, Tosumer Hoffman's character again, he comes up with the idea to rob their family's jewelry store. Um, because he says, you know, it's like a victimless crime. He's like, you send someone else in to rob the store, like no violence, just rob the store, take off like a hundred grand worth of diamonds and stuff. You know, the insurance will reimburse their parents mm. for the theft. And he's like, everybody wins. Right. So, but you know, I'm not going to get into spoilers of what happens. Let's just say the robbery goes wrong for various reasons. Um, and the brothers have to deal with the consequence of that throughout the rest of the film. And it gets, it just gets, they keep digging themselves a hole more and more as it goes on. And it's just a really... It's one of those films where it's just like you can't look like you want to tell people to like don't do this like you're making it worse you're screaming mm. at the tv but you know they just keep going further and further down that hole of bad choices and uh it's a, it's a really good film though like i said really it's it's a you know it's a drama all the way through there's not really much action or you know um but if you really like good character study it's probably like an hour 45 minutes it really to me it kind of feels like like i said i'm surprised it wasn't adapted for anything because it feels to me like it would be a play Okay. Like the way it unfolds, like a lot of scenes just take place with two characters yelling at each other in a room or, you know, a bar or wherever they are, just about the, the, the plots going on. Like there's not a, big, a lot of big set pieces in the film, but it just keeps moving along at a pace that's just, you know, by the last half hour, you just, it's, it's crazy where mm-hmm. it, the point that it gets to, but definitely recommend it. Um, again, I wish I, I don't think it's on any streaming services right now. I didn't, to be, to be honest, I didn't do the research, but I haven't seen it pop up on like any rec- rec- recommended feeds, so... If you can search it out, though, it's definitely a strong film called Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. And that's it for this block of 2007 films. Next, next, or two weeks from now when we do the final part, part five, there'll be some, definitely some heavy hitters in that category of five films. Those will all, all be all Oscar winner or Oscar worthy films. So, ooh, any final thoughts you want to wrap up with about those films or anything? Well, Liars and the Real Girl is all you need. <laughs> Done. Again, I think, and again, I've, I've done these lists by, like, by it's by chance that I broke these up into sections of five. Like, I don't, I'm only doing these, like I said, chronologically. I'm not ranking these in any way. So I think it's funny the way that when I, whenever I recommend one of these blocks of five films, there's always a bit of, there's some unique genres in there. Mm. It's not like I'm recommending five action films in a row, you know what I mean? Like, in this case, you have, like, a western, a slow western drama with the mm. Jesse James. You have, like, a legal drama with the Michael Clayton. Then you got, uh, I don't know, an indie drama with Lars and the Real Girl. Mm-hmm. And then, um... We call it Gone Baby Gone, like another crime drama. And then this one, I don't know, character drama with a little bit of crime in there. <laughs> so there's <laughs> maybe, a, some crime maybe they're there. all dramas. Let's put it that way. But again, that's what you get for this when you get to this point of a year when everything starts to become Oscar films. Um, all of these involve crime except for Lars. Yeah. So you know what the real winner is. <laughs> Definitely, if you need something, if you need, if 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 you're gonna watch any of these films and you want to like lift your spirits up a bit, you're gonna watch Lars. Yeah. <laughs> you're not gonna watch other films. <laughs> a lot of other films are supposed to be depressing for various reasons. Mm. Um, some have positive endings, some don't. But yeah. So, do you want to give the email shout out? And... Have you watched any of these movies? Have we missed a movie that came out so far in 2007 that you think is better than all of Tyler's choices? Let us know at WhenOppositesReact at gmail.com. I just want to preface this by saying I think this list kind of leads up into November. So if you're going to recommend, like, oh, he didn't mention this movie from November, well, I haven't gotten there yet. So if you want to recommend anything <laughs> up till like, the end of October that I have mentioned, that's fine. But I will talk about November and December in a couple of weeks. I understand. Yes. Thank you. You're welcome. So, yeah. Haven't, again, nailed down a topic for next week, really. 
I'm open to suggestions if you want to even <laughs> even if you want to email in just say talk about something sports related or something video game related that we haven't mentioned before that you'd like us to delve into Love to your favorite apex guns Ooh, i did a gun ranking that would be that would probably bore a lot of people though. <laughs> like, honestly if, if no one's playing it they're not gonna know what the heck i'm talking about if they don't play apex exactly um that is an interesting idea okay. yeah. <laughs> or the best mlb cards of the week mm. the best mlb program they've ever done oh by the time people listen to this um which for most people would probably be thursday august 12th by the time it goes up um if you're a baseball fan, which of course we talk about baseball quite a bit on, on these podcasts, um, you may already know this is a baseball fan, but tomorrow night is going to be very special. They're going to play, uh, they, they have a special game set up in Iowa called, and they're calling it the Field of Dreams game, based on obviously the popular movie from 1989, the Kevin Costner film. They basically recreated this stadium in Iowa to, to look similar to the one in the film. And like in a cornfield kind of thing, like in a so and, and I'm not, I'm not even sure how many how much seating it has. I know I, I think I, I was on Twitch earlier and someone was saying like some tickets were still available, but they're going for like a thousand each. Is it Yankees versus Boston? Yankees versus White Sox. White Sox. Yeah. I thought it was Boston. That's what okay. it was because I think it take, it's the movie again. The whole field of dreams thing was sort of talking about like something from like the early nineteen. I think it was like nineteen nineteen, like the early nineteen hundreds. There was a game oh. between the Yankees and White Sox. Okay, so that's what it's replicating. Makes sense, then. Yeah. So that should be a pretty interesting spectacle to watch. One, I'm very curious yeah. how they present it. You know, with you know, you know I don't, I'm not even sure if it's like ESPN or Fox or who has the rights say, like, to who's it. Commentating but it and stuff too. You know, I should, let, me look, let me look it up really quick here. Oh, here we go. So a little bit more information on this. So apparently, it has a maximum capacity of 8,000 fans Ooh. to host the first ever regular season baseball, major league baseball game in Iowa. That's so weird. So apparently, this was originally supposed to happen. Or sorry, the construction began back in 2019. They were going to originally have the game August 13th, 2020. Mm. And then obviously because of what happened with coronavirus, they had to right. postpone. Well, it says initially because of coronavirus, they're going to replace the Yankees with the St. Louis Cardinals. But then it says due to the impact of the pandemic, they moved the game entirely to 2021 with the date of August 12th. And then it says it's been confirmed the original matchup will be honored between the White Sox and the Yankees. Oh, so they flip okay, flop it back go. to, which, yeah, because it wouldn't make sense to put the Cardinals yeah, in. Yeah, you put all this effort into it and then you right. swap the teams. Yeah, I can't find a thing on here, but I would have to assume it's going to be ESPN that probably has rights to it tomorrow night, so... Kind of an interesting pitching matchup too. It's too bad the Yankees couldn't send like Garrett Cole or somebody out there. The White Sox are going with their ace, which is Lance Lynn. He's having a great season. Well, Yanke- Cole's Kobe. Yankees are countering with Andrew Heaney, who's a guy they just picked up at the trade deadline from the Angels. He's a good, good pitcher, <laughs> yeah. but he's not like an ace or anything. It's not so. something you're gonna recognize, right? So, but you know, very curious to see like what the dimensions of the ballpark are and stuff. Like, is yeah, it gonna I was be like thinking that too? You know, is Judge gonna hit like a huge bomb in the cornfield? And, <laughs> Um, be I, wanna, I, wanna, I hope people are just in the cornfield waiting for the ball. <laughs> right. All right. Well, uh, I think that sums up tonight's episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We appreciate your support as always. Feel free to send us an email at the link Sarah mentioned earlier. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll be back at the same time next week. Bye. Bye.